Man, oh man, I'm telling you, when just when you think it can't get bigger, it can't get better, it gets bigger and better. How about this? Legendary, not not a little legendary, like really legendary, Wade Phillips on the show today. The man's a legend. There, there is no other word for son of bum legend, like the legendary coach Wade Phillips. Jeff, uh, a great talk and obviously good as well to get the uh, the fan questions in as well. So thanks to everybody that did interact in short notice. Yeah, I mean, it's it's incredible that, you know, you think about, you have an opportunity to, to ha get a question to a guy who's coached in the National Football League for over 40 years, who's been a head coach of three different teams, has a 546, you know, record as a head coach, Super Bowl champion, all of those things. And right here on Coffee with Coach, you get a chance to interact with him. I, I man, I, I'm so fired up. It is awesome. And, you know, just shows you where we're going with this, baby. Yes, sir. Who knows what is going to happen down the line, but a, a huge guest. Uh, for, for anybody wondering, Jeff, where the around the NFL guys are, they're coming on next week. Yeah, so it's going to be an even bigger week. Now, well, it's going to be as big a week next week. Uh, obviously, two fantastic sets of guests. Yeah, and you know, when you're talking about the uh, around the NFL podcast, guys, we got you're talking about three superstar guys that you got to get all their schedules coordinated. And I mean, they got they've got all kinds of people tugging at them all the time. So they they carved out a little bit of time for us. And I'm really grateful that they have. And, and it's going to be a fantastic opportunity for the fans, again, to ask questions of some people that maybe you never even dreamed you'd have a chance to throw a question on. So that's why we do what we do. And that's why you are magic, Mike. <laughs> I'll take that to the bank, man. The, uh, and just exactly what you said there, like, you know, people have got more time now as well, Jeff, to get their questions for the around the NFL guys. Share hashtag coffee with coach. But uh, yes, here he is, Jeff. We have Phillips. Do you, do you want to introduce him? Yeah, do I? I tell you what, he really, you hear, you hear that old cliche, a man needs no, this man needs no introduction. Well, maybe this guy doesn't need an introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway, because 40 years of NFL coaching experience, head coach, three times, 546 winning percentage. Now, there are a bunch of coaches that would wish they could have their winning percentage that I think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. He changed the structure of defense. He's one of the most, most one of the most kind and gentle people that you'll ever meet on the every player you've ever talked to that I've ever talked to that knows him, loves him. And that's an off that says an awful lot when you're in a business as tough as professional sports are because you got to cut these guys and you know you got to tell them that they're not worth this much money or whatever it it is a hard pressure-packed tough world and through all of it wade has maintained his you know just down home wade phillips you know ball coach and and it's so awesome to have him on the show Hey, welcome everybody to another edition of Coffee with Coach. This is an extra special edition because we have in the studio today, not only coaching uh, royalty, this is NFL royalty right here. And this gentleman who's in front of you, Wade Phillips, is a guy who's coached over 40 years in the National Football League. He is the son of a legendary head coach in the National Football League, a guy we're going to talk about in a little bit. And um, one of the greatest defensive coaches to ever strap a whistle on. And uh, so, Wade, welcome. Thank you very much for coming to the show. I appreciate that, Jeff. That's uh, maybe too kind, but 
<laughs> no, I, I think it's maybe that 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 may be short selling it a little bit. All right, now here's the thing that that people I think people really uh, don't maybe know now as much as they understood guys my age understood your dad bum um, was maybe as colorful colorful a character has has ever patrolled the sidelines on in an NFL stadium and oh yeah oh yeah and you know I, I've always said hey there's there's never going to be another guy on the sideline with a cowboy hat and cowboy <laughs> boots <laughs> coaching an NFL game uh, of course uh, Nike wouldn't let him do it anyway nowadays so yeah but, uh, yeah um, you had a lot more personality in those, or you could show your personality in those days, I think. You know, with Tom Landry wearing his hat and guys wearing suits on the sidelines. It's, yeah, it's changed. Yep. Dick Nolan, I remember he used to wear a suit on the sideline. And right. coach, what, now take me back, right? When you're a young kid, right? And your dad's bouncing around in the coaching business because Bum had a, uh, had a number of stops on, on, the, <laughs> on the way. Now, where did he start? At what level did he start his career? Yeah, he started coaching in high school in uh, Southeast Texas. And uh, in fact, he his first year, there were only three coaches then. And he was like the B-team coach. And, and uh, uh, there were three guys. And the next year, the head coach quit or left. And somebody left a, a, the school board voted and voted him as the head coach. And uh, he got a note on his door coming home one night and said, congratulations, you're the head coach. And he thought it was a joke, you know, because he'd only been one year out and he'd been coaching the B team, but he took over and I think he oh. won 50 some straight games after that. So they knew he could coach. No press conference, no nothing. No, I, they oh, just, no. You, get a, you get a note on your car. You're the where was that at where was that out out in east texas that was in nederland texas yep yeah all right now uh he goes on gets in the nfl and then goes back to college to coach at smu for hayden fry i believe and then hayden left and went to iowa and because i coached at at smu uh, wait i heard this story told by some some guys that were on that team that you know, he was so well loved by the players in one season that when Hayden left, they basically marched on the president's house and said, you got a higher bump. And yeah, there was a, I guess it's, a, uh, it, it's not really great when that happens because they usually don't get given the job. But yeah, there was a big um, uh, people uh, text, well, I wasn't texting then, but People, people wrote letters and, and the team, you know, the team voted to try to get him the head job, but it didn't work out, but so, it worked out later on. So, so when, when you were in, were you in at playing quarterback at Houston when he was the head coach of the Oilers? No, I was coaching. I coached with him then. So, okay. All right. Yeah, he coached me in high school, uh, my, my junior and senior year in high school. So he was a high school coach at, 45 years old, I guess, something like that, and said he was going to stay there and be the AD and head coach the rest of his career. And <laughs> he went to University of Houston, of course, and I went to University of Houston. And so, uh, and then he went pretty quickly to uh, 
to the to the pros and then back to SMU and then back to the pros and then the head coach. So pretty quickly though. You know, wait, I've heard I've heard you say this about your dad. Number one, obviously you guys were very, very close and you respected him and loved him very much. And I heard him I heard you say that one of the things you learned from him in coaching was how how to work with people, how it was it was about people. Oh yeah. Well, you know, life is about people, <laughs> you know, and, and, and coaching is, you know, part of life. And uh, so, yeah. And it's, it's working with people. It's not, you know, he was a head coach for a long time, but it's not who, uh, it's not people working for you. It's people working with you. So I, I you know, I learned that and I learned uh, uh, the other thing I learned from him was coaching wasn't, he called it coaching wasn't bitching. Coaching isn't griping. You know, <laughs> it's not griping about everything after it already happens. You know, that so-and-so didn't do this or didn't do that. It's, you know, it's teaching them to do it better beforehand so they don't, you don't have to gripe about it. Tell me about, about you know, because that relationship thing about, you know, it's about human beings. You're coaching human beings. They got sure. families, they got lives, they got all that. I've heard that the that the barbecues on walkthrough day with the Oilers were legendary. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. We well, Saturday practice. Uh, you know, you could and they did. The, the players would bring their kids, and the dogs. <laughs> dogs would be running all over the place, and we're trying to, you know. But it's Saturday practice. If you you know the day before a game is you know a walkthrough anyway. But but he yeah he would have barbecue there. Uh, you know, Willie Nelson showed up one time. I mean, we, so it was uh, Muhammad Ali showed up one day. Is uh, that right? Oh, yeah. Came by practice. So, I mean, you know, it was, it was kind of an open, real loose. And that's what he wanted to be the day before game anyway, really. Right. You know what? It's amazing, at, you know, having been coached in Texas and at SMU and then being, I'm being in Houston right now, it's, a, it's incredible how much of an impact your father made on the coaching community in this state. I mean, it's, it's, he is still legendary, legendary. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the numbers, the defensive numbering system, you know, the two technique, three technique, he invented all that coaching in high school. And it's still uh, prevalent everywhere that I know of. Now, okay. This is, you're going to take me down another path. Uh, okay. John Paul Young, right? John Paul Young. Yep. Now, is he not the guy who made the templates where yes, so the yes. coaches could draw X's and O's? You bet. Yeah. Now, now, how, how did John Paul fit in all that? Because you guys put the clinic together in in San San Angelo. Right. Uh, John Paul. Uh, John Paul played for my dad and coached. Was a graduate assistant with him, and then yeah, John Paul coached at SMU too uh, later on. But uh, but he's kind of a legendary guy anyway. Yeah, he, he uh, made those circle drawers, we call them, but uh, <laughs> we could draw the plays and draw uh, offenses and defenses. And uh, I think he still, I think you still have those, uh, but we've gone more, you know, high tech nowadays. But uh, but John Paul uh, played for my dad and then coached. And then uh, when we went to the, when my dad went to the Oilers, he hired John Paul and myself his second year there. And we both came that year. And then went as with him in New Orleans. As a kid, did you did you sit around a dinner table and diagram plays and and talk about talk about football and talk about you know structure and all that? No, because 
we didn't eat dinner, you know, he didn't eat dinner at home. So I'd go down to the field house and watch him do that, you know. Okay. You know, and those days and, and nowadays too. But I mean, you know, coaches work late. So uh, to see my dad, I'd just go down to the field and it was just across the street. So I just walk over there as a kid and, and, and watch the coaches, you know, and they had chalkboards in, you know, <laughs> they're, they're chalk, chalking and racing, man. And so, and I saw how much fun it was, you know, how much fun, how much fun they had, how much they enjoyed what they were doing. So, you know, later on when I wanted to decide what I wanted to do, I, you know, you go back to what you've seen and something yeah. that seems people enjoy, you know, so. When was it that you decided that you were going to be a coach, that that was going to be your life's work? Uh, really, my senior year at uh, University of Houston, uh, and I've been a three-year starter and linebacker there, and I went to training camp. My dad was with the Chargers in, in San Diego, and I went out to the training camp before my senior year to uh, to visit family, you know, and so I watched the Chargers practice. And I saw the linebackers that were playing in the NFL. And I realized pretty soon that I wasn't going to be, you know, what was I going to do after I finished my senior year? So <laughs> I wasn't going to be playing football in the NFL. I, saw, I knew that. Uh, I could realize that. So that's why I started thinking about it, you know, so what I want to do. And, um, you know, I, that's what I knew, I knew something about. So, and I oh. knew people and uh, it just started there. It's a family deal. And my son coaches now too, so. I know I, you've had Wes on your staff, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Wes is for the Rams right now. So. Yeah. Okay. Now. Passing game coordinator. You have a winning percentage as a head coach in the National Football League of Don't five. Don't tell me. Don't five, five forty-six. Wade. Five forty-six. Huh? Nobody knows that. I do. I know it, and that's pretty damn impressive. You know, when you yeah, think about it, you've been at Denver, you've been at Buffalo, and you've been, you know, and you've been with the Cowboys, and then yeah. interim with the Oilers, Falcons, and the Texans, five forty-six. Now, how many guys can can hang that number? Well, I'm I'm proud of that winning record like that, but uh, you know, most people most people say, and I and I'll say that I wasn't a great head coach, but I was a pretty good defensive coordinator. So that's that's really my niche. <laughs> what what uh when you when you talk about great players and you've had you've had a ton of them like players of the year uh reggie white bryce pop bruce smith jj watt aaron donald right i mean you've been andre i i talked to andre ware one time and he absolutely loves you i mean he can't say enough good things about you so yeah, you've had Demarcus Ware. Demarcus Ware, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah, Andre Ware. Andre was throwing the court. It was a quarterback. I'm sorry. Yeah, but Demarcus, right. yeah, Demarcus said that what you were able to do with him, you know, at, at kind of a hybrid position, because he was, I don't know, he couldn't call him an outside linebacker, but he was, I mean, boy, oh boy. And he had those great years in Dallas. Then you got him right at the end of his career and brought him. He was kind of the, you know, the, Missing link, maybe in in that oh, in yeah. that Bronco defense. Oh yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a great player and a Hall of Fame player, really. So I'm sure. When, when you look at all of those guys, and they're predominantly defensive linemen, right? Pass right. rushers and defensive linemen. Yeah. What are the common traits that all of those guys had, Wade? 
besides big heart, you know, I mean, besides just wanting to be better, even though they were better than everybody, they wanted to be better and they tried to be better all the time. There's something, it's a competitive nature, uh, whatever it is. Uh, those guys had it, you know, they, uh, and I had Robert Brazil who went in the hall of fame too. I mean, you know, so I've, I've had some great ones, uh, and Von Miller is going to go in the hall of fame too. So, um, but it, it's, it's, a. They want to be great, and they do everything they can to be great. They utilize their their talent, you know. And you've you've been around. I mean, we've seen a lot of guys with talent that didn't yeah. didn't do well, but those guys had great talent. But they they maxed it. They maxed it out, really. So when you, when you're coordinator and you're looking at guys for the draft, right? You got the you got your parameters: height, weight, speed, and all of that. How, how do you weigh it? What is the number one thing you want out of, out of a defensive lineman when you're looking at him in the draft? Uh, well, I, I look for pass rush ability, you know, natural pass rush ability. And that's really naturally turning your hips, naturally, um, you know, I looked at film way, way back. My dad gave me a film when I was coaching in college and he had a film of all the great passers of that time. And what I tried to do is look at that and see what what they did naturally, you know, uh, and what made them successful. Deacon Jones, uh, Bob Lilly, way back, you know, and they could move their hips and shoulders um, easily, you know. And I thought if you could utilize that, uh, because you change his angles on, on the rush. So, right. Uh, and so I started teaching that stuff and, uh, or guys that could get better at it. And that's, uh, but the guys that could do it naturally, that's the one you want, obviously. You know, because it's interesting when you look at that list of players, right. And you, you've got a, a shorter guy in an Aaron Donald who's extremely explosive and, you know, and Reggie White was special, special. I mean, I, I don't know if I ever seen a guy throw people around like he could throw people around. Yeah. Um, where does explosiveness come into that? Strength and explosiveness come into that factor. Well, the, yeah, I mean the the natural ability to be able to run fast and, and generate power. That that's the thing about Reggie and all of those guys. But but Reggie Reggie was a big guy that could he could really run fast, and so he he generated a lot of power to start with. And then of course Aaron Donald's the same way. He had that great core strength and that speed uh, that made them. But yeah, most all of those guys, uh, we took them about Hall of Fame guys now. You're not talking about, you know, just regular guys. Other guys, just guys on the street, yeah. Yeah, those guys, uh, they had it, but they utilized it. They sure did. Okay, for you as a coordinator, right? Building a defense, if, if you were gonna come in and put one together, I've, I've heard Al Davis say, build it from the outside in, get me corners that can cover and I'll stick the, enough guys in a box that you can't run it. I've heard other guys say, be, be good down the middle. Where, where do you start? Uh, well, in the NFL, you start with pass rush, in my opinion. You know, it's really the guys up front. Of course, I coach the three, four most of the time. So I really like the guys on the edge. And, you know, and then of course we had Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware, you know, uh, Bryce Pop, you the guy you mentioned, you know, and Cornelius Bennett was on that team too. So, uh, besides Bruce Nesto, uh, 
but yeah, it's it's you got to put pressure on the passer, you know, and and you can look at your coverages all you want to, but it, it's really the the pressure. Uh, your coverage is better with the pressure, so uh, I look for pass rushing. Okay, now you, I've heard I've heard you say this also. My job is to teach, right? Right. And what makes a great teacher in your mind? Uh, results. I think it's it's uh, you know we always said and you can't do it really, but but we always said we're not going to make any any mental mistakes. You know that's that's our standard. Our standard is no mental mistakes, and and so. Uh, you know, if if they don't make many mental mistakes, then then they can utilize what ability, whatever ability they have, and then uh, so I think that's the key thing in, in teaching is is they know what to do. It sounds simple, but offenses are so complicated, it forces defenses to be complicated. So uh, it's it's really knowing what to do and, and doing it full speed and no hesitation, and that's. Uh, that's the teaching part. That's a, that, when you taught a guy, you know, what to do, and he doesn't have any hesitation about what he's doing, whether well, he's going to do better. Were you surprised, Wade, with uh, you know the COVID thing and no OTAs, no mini camps, no you know really no training camp per se? That there, we were able to play as good a football this past fall as as they were able to with all virtual meetings and all of that crazy stuff. Uh in some ways, but, uh, you know, when I went to Texas in 2011, uh, they had a strike and we didn't have an off season. And so we, we were new going in. So it's the same kind of deal. We were new and they were 31st in the league in defense the year before. Of course, that's why I was there. <laughs> and, uh, and we went to second the first year. So, I mean, you know, you know, it, it's just putting it together. And Coach, a lot of a lot of a lot of fans have have asked questions, and and I want to pass them on to you if you would, if you wouldn't mind answering them. This comes from Julio in Madrid, Spain. He says, "What would you say were the main differences in the Bronco organization from the first stint in the late '80s to your return to Denver to lead the defense?" Uh, well, I think Denver's a special place. I, as far as Denver reminds me of the Texas high schools, you know, the ones that are really good every year. They expect their team to be good. And uh, I, I think it it helps the, just because that's that kind of town. They want their team to be good. Everybody wants their team to be good, but they put pressure on them to be good every year. So that was there both both stands. Now, the first, first stand I went there, the first year we went to the Super Bowl, we didn't win it, but we went to the Super Bowl, and then the next time I went, came, we won the Super Bowl in the first year. So, uh, and of course, Pat Bowlen changed in those years, you know, which was sad to me, certainly, uh, seeing him regress with his disease. So, uh, in fact, the second time when I went there, he didn't recognize me. He didn't know who I was. Is that right? Yeah, yeah it, was, it was really a shame. I mean, he was a one. He's a wonderful man. Yeah, I was I was his head coach, you know. I was there with six for six years. And um I went back and of course I knew he had Alzheimer's and uh he came to the facility one day 
And so I went up and I said, hey, Pat, you know, Wade Phillips. And he just, his eyes were glazed over and he just said, reached his hand out and said, Pat Bowling. He mm. did not know who I was. And mm. I was, uh, you know, hopefully we can do something about that disease in, in some way. If anybody can help with that, uh, I hope they do. I'm with you. Claire DeBear, who is a gigantic, this lady is a gigantic Bears fan in the UK. She says, what one rule would you bring in or change in the National Football League? Well, uh, I'd change all the defensive holding. Defensive <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, they, you know, the tough one was that when they changed, and I was there when they changed, you know, you couldn't hit them after until they were down the field five yards. I mean, you know, uh, Mel Blunt and those guys were wearing people out, you know. <laughs> On those crossers, they would just light yeah. you up. Yeah. Well, I mean, they didn't let them get down the field either. They, I mean, Mel Blunt was 6-2 and just bump and run, and they couldn't get off the line of scrimmage. And so, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know if there's any changes that, uh, you know, they're talking about onside kick and, and trying to clarify that. And, of course, I understand injuries. so. Uh, safety. I mean, I think that's great as far as the game's concerned. I hate to see them just not be able to kick the ball off or, or have an onside kick, you know. Yeah. I mean, those, those, are, yeah. those are big plays in the game that, you know, fans like, but again, we have to worry about player safety. Wait, how how is how is it the game changed in those 40 years, right? Is it still the same game or is it is it some, is it different now? Well, you mean besides having not having leather helmets now? <laughs> when I started, oh, no, you don't go that far back now. Come on. But uh, well, I mean everything's changed. Society obviously changed and so forth. Uh, you know, we. I mean, we went uh, from two back off. Everybody playing two back offense to, you know, wide. I call it wide open. But I mean, it's you know all that's changed certainly. Uh, the way we played. Uh, but I, I will say this, in high school and college and pro football, and this is a great thing about football, before the game, everybody's excited about the game in the locker room. You know, you've been there. I mean, that feeling before the game, everybody wants to do well. Everybody wants to win. And that's a neat feeling, you know, and especially if you do win after, the, after you know, the locker room afterwards. It's, it's uh, a great it's an accomplishment you know and we all did it together as a team so those uh, those things are still there no matter where you're coaching all right fred flunk from ireland says 2007 i think dallas finished second in the league in scoring he's this guy's a big cowboy fan you got to know that so it right. says aside from romo owens and witten who is the most underappreciated player on offense uh romo who who Romo, Witten. he said, he said, Romo, Owens, and Witten. Oh, Owens, okay, T.O., yeah, I was going to say T.O. Had, had a great year there, too. Uh, gee, uh, uh, well, probably, you know, the offensive line was good, too. I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's a big part of, of that. Uh, uh, Marion Barber was, yeah. was, was a really good player, and uh, I'm not sure people knew that, but he was, uh, you know he could carry the load and and made a lot of big plays for us. So I I, I uh, you know 
for somebody that people might know, that'd be the guy. I'll tell you what, he was a he was a good, good football player. I mean, he, yeah, he, played, he hard. played behind his pads so well. And yeah. you know, speaking of guys that played behind their pads, tell me an Earl Campbell story. All right. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I got a lot of them, but uh, uh, we when we got him as a rookie, you know, uh, we didn't the, the preseason games, we didn't play him very much. And then one game we played him in, he had the wrong shoes on and it was raining on turf and he slipped down. And and so the, the rumors started kind of going out that, hey, you know, Earl Campbell's going to be a bust. He's not what everybody thinks he is, you know. So we played the last preseason game against Dallas, against the Cowboys uh, there. And in those days, you played the last preseason game, you played all your starters, which is opposite now. But you played your team. Well, they were coming off the Super Bowl win. This was the, uh, you know, the uh, two tall Jones and, and that group. I mean, they had a great defense, and and uh, and one of our coaches kind of got caught up in the, I don't know what, but I mean, he 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 told me before the game. He said, uh, you know, Wade Earl Campbell's fixing to get welcome to the NFL tonight. You know, <laughs> and uh, 177 yards later. <laughs> four touchdowns after the game i went up to the coach and i said hey nfl just got welcomed to earl campbell yeah, went 77 you. yards on the first play of the game ran over charlie waters and and uh Cliff Cliff <laughs> first play no. of the game went 77 the, the play that I, the play that i remember and it's immortalized on nfl films was i think it was isaiah robertson it was Isaiah. he yeah. ran him over and it were like shock waves went through isaiah robertson's body when earl campbell hit him did he yeah, work in fact i talked to isaiah late you know later on several years ago but uh he you know he said and he said you know i i was in the pro bowl like three or four times you know and he said the only thing people remember about me is getting run over by Earl Campbell because I told him I said hey you're a really good player and he said he said I know it but he said nobody knows that he said all they know is he got I got run over by Earl Campbell <laughs> fans he is the son of bum and if you you can follow him on Twitter on that same hand greatest Twitter handle handle in in captivity I believe and <laughs> tell me about your book tell me about your book tell the fans about your book and where they can get it because it's a great read yeah, it's uh, you can get it anywhere. Amazon, you know, just just uh, get with them and they'll get it for you. But uh, it's a I, I wanted to do it for my dad, you know. Uh, you know, you're not always remembered, you know. And so I, I wanted to make sure that uh, and, and for coaches, you know, being a coach's son. But what all I learned from him, like I said about coaching and that, uh, you know, I tried to convey in the book. And then the father-son relationship. So, um, uh, I, but I just, I really wanted my, my kids and my grandkids and, and people in the family to, to remember my dad and they do. Well, you know, coach, you've always been really easy uh, and special about sharing information. And I, and I talked to you about the, the first time I met you, we were riding a van back from the practice field in Philadelphia, Westchester State University, where the Eagles had training camp. And I, you know, and I remember, you know, I just being a young guy and just being like starstruck. I was in, I was in the van, I was in the van with Wade Phillips. And then later on, you started a 
uh, now was it you and John Paul? Or how did the how did the San Angelo Clinic start? Well, it was actually it was started actually because of my dad. You know, it, it, uh, when my dad was coaching high school in Texas, uh, he was really well known then, and they have coaching school every year in San Antonio, Houston, or Dallas. Have big coaching school and and you know thousands of coaches go to that every year still do and uh, my dad had a room you know he had a room and a chalkboard in his room and coaches would come and they'd talk football you know but it got bigger and bigger you couldn't hardly get in there uh, then later on when my dad was coaching the Oilers we had training camp in San Angelo uh, and so the group there John Paul Young was coaching with us with the Oilers and then. Uh, Jim Hess, who coached uh, San yep. Angelo at that time, and, and the guys there, uh, they wanted to have the clinic, but but not have it during coaching school because everybody couldn't get in the room. So um, so they decided to have it in uh, in San Angelo, and it's it's a great clinic. It's wonderful. Coach, it's I've, been a, it, I've been to it forty years probably. Fan, the fan, fans, you got to understand now. This is out in West Texas, and there isn't much around San Angelo. No. Not other than oil derricks, right? I mean, you got to want to get to San Angelo to get to San Angelo. And I had an opportunity to speak at one of them. And you actually speak in, an, in a basketball arena. There's so many coaches that come to this. Wait, there must have been, I oh, swear yeah. to God, 3,000 coaches in that, in, sure. in that, sure. in that clinic. It, it is a fantastic, fantastic thing. Yeah, the best part of the clinic is, is the... Uh, after, afterwards, they take you in the room and people can ask you questions, right? Yeah. Okay. So a middle school coach can ask a pro football coach a question he wants to know about football or a college coach or whoever, you know, or, or a, you know, an outstanding coach that they have as a speaker. But you can learn so much by, by just going and being there and, and asking the question in that room. And, I, I, you know, it's, it's amazing. It uh, is. I always a thought that was the best part of it. It was a it was a fabulous experience for me. Adam in the USA says, "Who is the best defensive player you've ever coached, and which offensive player was the hardest to game plan for?" Wow, <laughs> yeah, the, you know, you named all a lot of the great players that I've coached. It's hard to say one Hall of Famer is better than the other. Uh, you know, I, I, when I started with the Oilers, I mean, you know, Robert Brazil, Curly Culp, and Elvin Bethay. Uh, three of the guys on the defense. I thought I was a good coach because I was coaching those guys. And, uh, I found out later I wasn't that good a coach. They were there in the Hall of Fame. So, uh, but uh, I will say this: Reggie White had the best season that I, I've ever been around. In that, um, at Philadelphia, there we had we had a strike year where we only played twelve games, and he set the record uh, of twenty-one sacks in that twelve game season 12 games he had 21 sacks 21 sacks in 12 games 12 games yeah uh, yeah Strahan broke broke the record but but the record the record he set was was 1987 with 21 sacks in 12 games so I, you know it's kind of a Babe Ruth record I mean I, you know I don't know anybody ever break that one I got to throw this name at you because I've heard guys that I know that were offensive linemen and they talk about the great defensive linemen that they ever lined up against and I've heard guys say this guy was 
the toughest to block of any guy that they in that era of players. And it was Jerome Brown. And they said he was just so strong and so quick and so powerful. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, I mean, you know, we had Clyde Simmons and and uh, and Reggie White and Jerome Brown and some guy. Other the other guy was uh, uh, Mike Golick, but we Mike Golick. Mike Golick was the other guy. I always kid him about that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Jerome was a tremendous talent too. You know, and it's a shame, obviously. Uh, but he was he was he was hard to block. Yeah, he was really. I mean, when we had those four guys, we we really had something. Coach, there's one here from Philippa in the UK. Says, "Son of a bum is a legend." Right? What has been your favorite stop so far in your career, and which defense are you most proud of? Well, I, I've been lucky to be with a lot of great defense. I mean, we started, like I said, we started with the Oilers, and, and we were really good on defense in those days, too. Um, you know, Philadelphia, we had a great defense. Actually, we were number one in the league when I was with New Orleans so and Buffalo. And so, uh, I mean, the one that won the Super Bowl had to be one of the best of all time. I mean, you know, uh, we, we led the league in, I don't know, 13 categories going into the playoffs. So it wasn't like all of a sudden we played great in the playoffs. You know, you beat Rossberger and, and Tom Brady and then Cam Newton's uh, the MVP of the league and and averaging 40 points a game in the playoffs and shut them down. So uh, that group was really special. I mean, they, they uh, got seven sacks in the Super Bowl game. I mean, wait, wait, <laughs> as impressive as the Super Bowl was, to me, what you did to Brady in the run up to the Super Bowl was that was master. That was that was chess against checkers. You know, I mean, the well, the, yeah. the things you guys did to take away Gronkowski and I mean, it was really, I thought, masterful. Yeah, it was still the rush. You know, we hit him 24 times in that game. And that wasn't the most that, that Tom Brady had been hit. It was the most any quarterback had been hit in the, uh, the whole season. So we we had and then we were playing at home, which is great. Uh, but uh, you know, 24 hits on any quarterback during the game, and he was still in the game. We had stopped a two point play at the end of the game, so you, you know he was still great. Uh, no no doubt about it. Coach, we got a lot of coaches that listen to this, and uh, I, I'm going to stump a little bit for you. Uh, your coaching your certification program about coaching defense talk to talk about it and, and let let our fans know where they can how they can subscribe or how they can become certified in wade phillips defense yeah uh john paul young the guy you talked about and i uh put this together and and the reason we did it and the reason i did it really was uh and you're i know you're the same way i mean going to college they don't teach you to be a coach <laughs> they don't teach you how to coach they don't teach you anything about coaching you know, if you played, maybe you learned something or, you know, if you had a background like I did, you know, you got a head start. But but there's nothing in college that says, hey, you know, this is the way this is the, the, how you play defense and the numbered system and, and the whole system and coverages and so forth. So um, I really put that together to help coaches, you know, help guys that want to be coaches. Uh, it's, it's it's for anybody, I guess. But. Uh, you know, and I've had some media people that wanted to learn football that they've taken the course, but 
um, which they need to a lot of them. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's it's just called the numbers defense. We call it the numbers defense, and it's um, numbersdefense.com, and you can take the course, and it's and it is a course, and you know you have to pass the test. You have to pass. You have to have a passing grade to to pass. You can't just uh, you know you can't just take just look at it and and go through it. You, you uh, you know you, we give you a certificate, which uh, which I think is important because again uh, you don't learn that anywhere you know yeah. that I know of. So uh, so we've been we put that together, and I think it's been good for people. Well. Wait, if I was going to take it, I'd want to look after your paper. I'd lo- I'd want to look on your paper. <laughs> on your paper. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, hey, coach, in, in football, you, in football, that'd be good. The rest of the rest of my classes, that wasn't good. <laughs> hey, I tell you what. Tell me about your daughter now. I, you got an artsy daughter. You got a football coaching son and an artsy daughter. Yeah, Tracy's Tracy's. Um, she was a dancer, did uh, a lot of, uh, had to watch way too many M- MTV videos, you know, in those days when those were, because she was in a lot of them. Uh, very good dancer, but she can do all of it. So, uh, but now she's more of a choreographer and uh, does a lot of stuff and has done, you know, a lot of award shows and uh, uh, choreog- uh, done a lot of choreography. So uh, that's what she does now. And, uh, she's she's really good at that too. Now, did, now, I've never seen you Cotton Eye Joe, but did she get that from you, or did she get that from? from <laughs> your life? Well, she could do any of it. Yeah, yeah, she can do any of it. And she didn't get it from me. She got it from my wife because I'm like, <laughs> I got my dancing from my dad, which <laughs> he wasn't a great dancer. So <laughs> he's a great football coach, but not a real good dancer. Coach, I appreciate your time so much. Our fans loved it, and I loved it, and. I tell you what, I can't wait. You know what I'm looking for next 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 thing for you? You're gonna put that gold jacket on yourself. Cause I th- I well, think it's well I don't know that they well do deserved. assistant coaches, but but uh but uh, but I had a great career and I enjoyed it. So but I enjoyed this. This is fun talking football. That's what well, I it, you know, that's it, what we love. So I appreciate everything. If I find out where you are in Houston, I may go and knock on your door. We couldn't stop the run last night. I need I need to get <laughs> Uh, so, but again, Wade, thank you so much. You're a real class act, and and thank you so much for all you've done for all of us coaches and fans, and for the National Football League. All right, well, great, Jeff. Thanks. Thank you too. All right. I enjoyed all right, it. Coach.